0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple-makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Well, you know,
1: people ask us all the time about the role of preaching and discipleship. And uh, let me just clarify, when we talk about discipleship, we're not talking about just a one or an hour and a half gathering to study the Bible, memorize scripture, hold each other accountable for the purpose of replication. It's a part of discipleship, but it's not all of discipleship. That's a piece of it, right? Disciple making goes well beyond that gathering time. And for a lot of people listening here, they may say, we don't have a disciple making process, but I preach weekly. Yeah. And you may preach as a pastor. Uh, you may preach as a men's minister. You may preach as a student pastor. So if you if you have a great disciple-making process, Brother Pastor, and you're not preaching the Word of God, you got a problem. So
0: I've heard you say this before to kind of push back on that a little bit. You talk about how Jesus ministered in different groups. Yep. And uh, so a great connection in my mind is how he ministered to that group of 70, 72, however you look at that. Uh, explain that connection a little bit. Yeah, well, you got to understand the preaching piece, although it's a
1: part of the disciple making process, it is the centerpiece of all discipleship. So it's a trickle down effect. The gathering together, the first part of our pathway, as many of you know, we have a fourfold pathway, uh, which we start with worship, which we have the crowd, uh, I mean, which we have the congregation. We move secondly to our community group, which we call life groups. Then from the life groups, we forge friendships for the D group and out of the D group. And and this can flow and ebb from different pathways. But out of that, we change the world through service and missions and volunteerism and other things. But the first part of the pathway where people get on normally is the preaching of the Word of God. And we would agree, and Gus is with us today, we would agree that expository, text-driven preaching is the kind of preaching that effectively and efficiently gives the Bible a voice, and it uh, is a way that the pastor can stand up and say, thus says the Lord. It's a way that people can hear the voice of Jesus. You, You don't want your people to hear your voice, although you may have a good voice, may have a good ideas sure Good ideas don't change people's lives. The Bible Hello. does, right? Transform. I mean, Gus, absolutely what? absolutely
2: right. Yeah, absolutely right. I, I believe in text-driven preaching. Let me clarify that. What we mean is letting the text drive the direction of the message. And so you want the main point of the text to be the main point of your sermon. And, and I'm a firm believer in the way that you handle the word in the pulpit as a pastor, as a preacher, is modeling for your people how they should approach a text. Right. And so by the way that you dissect a passage, put your message together and deliver it to your people you're in essence modeling for them how to study the Bible and understand it for their own daily application. And so, uh, yeah, text-driven preaching, expository preaching is essential in the disciple making process because the pastor, the preacher is is the main person every week showing the people how to approach the scriptures, how to digest them and how to apply.
0: Well, I know a few months ago, we uh, we did a we do something called a discipleship cohort. We bring in about twelve pastors, and uh, we meet four times over the course of two years. And one of our goals is to help them through all the elements of rolling out a disciple making pathway in their church. Uh, the different pieces of that, those different areas of ministry we just uh, pastor just talked about. Um, and in one of those, Gus, you really felt it was important to help them understand how expository preaching connects with. The Pathway, why did you think? I know you kind of talked that a little bit, but why did you think it was so critical for them? Because we had a discussion as a group are we really do we need to focus on the preaching? Do we need to talk about this? Does Pastor Robbie need to go there in a session and a training with them in the short time we have with them? And uh, we were kind of back and forth on whether or not we should do that. But you felt it was critical. Um, why did you think it was so important?
2: Yeah, going back to our pathway in the first environment you know, those four key environments that produce spiritual growth and transformation. You know, the first one being the worship gathering, the time where the congregation gathers to hear the teaching. And we just felt that you know, if, as long as we are raising up preachers that have a high view of God's Word and approach the text to get their main points for their sermon from the text and deliver and match the tone of the text and deliver that to the people, that's really the starting point for the disciple-making process. And one of the things that I'm also very passionate about, obviously, is the community and the life groups. And, and I believe a great way to, to marry the passion for expositional preaching... And the importance of discipleship in a group community is to kind of help see the the connection between the sermon and the content that is being studied in our groups. Right. And so one of the things that I'm very passionate about is, you know, sermon text-driven life group or small group curriculum. And so whatever text is preached on Sunday, that's really what we want to encourage our people to go deeper in during the week when they meet as a community, really to focus in on life application. Like, how am I going to obey? Yeah. The text that was preached and delivered to us on Sunday, you know, and just be able to discuss it, highlight some of the key truths that stood out to you, and just wrestle with its implications for daily living. Well, I I think those connections are
0: strong, and and, uh, Pastor, if you want to elaborate on that a little bit, you know, Gus touched on the importance of reinforcing what's happening in the other areas of ministry from that sermon. Um, How can, you know, expository preaching best connect with the other disciple-making mechanisms in terms of small group, Sunday school, discipleship, missions even.
1: Yeah, we're, we're looking at ways to synergize, in a sense, or uh, accentuate what we have already preached in the morning. So whether you're a pastor, you're preaching on Sunday, whether you're a student pastor, you're preaching on Wednesday, uh, I want you to begin to think, how can we... Uh, assimilate the information where it's not just a one-off sermon because let's let's be honest, most churches you have a, a ministry where you're preaching a, as a pastor, if you're listening and you're the pastor, you're preaching a message on Sunday morning, a particular text uh, on a particular topic and then your people leave there and they go right to a Sunday school or a life group or a small group and they're going to hear another idea, whether it be in a quarterly, and some of you use that, or whether it be in a study or whether it be in a video sermon series or, or whether it be something just uh, through a book on another topic on a different text by a different person and what you've just done is you have cut the impact of what you just studied for all week and a ha- and half and now people have the, the challenge of trying to apply both of these insights and it's very hard to apply one much less two Then they leave there, and if you have a Sunday night service, and some of you may, you come back, and the pastor himself undercuts the impact of the morning sermon by providing another sermon, different topic, different text, and you have just minimized the impact by a third. Then you come back on Wednesday night, and you preach a different message as the pastor, albeit a devotional time, different sermon, different text, different topic, and your people have just tried to ingest four different messages. You've cut the impact by a fourth. And if you're super spiritual and you have the time, you'll do a Bible study on Tuesday or Thursday, and you have another sermon, another topic, different text, different impact, and we wonder why, why our people aren't applying what they learn. I mean, let's wow. just be honest. Yeah. How many people listening can tell me the points from your pastor's message this past Sunday? Easy. Don't don't quiz now me. You guys right now. don't answer because you heard my message. But <laughs> hey, listen, I would even submit the pastor can't tell me what his own points are.
0: That's okay. Sad. Yeah.
1: So that's a very that's a very Western uh, way of learning in the sense of we have bought into this idea in our culture that information is passed on through transaction. Like like if you take enough classes and you go to enough seminars, you're going to be mature. But we all know people who have been in church for a long period of time who look nothing like Christ. Right? So we know that maturity is not from longevity in church. So a very Eastern way, a way Jesus would have taught, is not just giving information, but it's applying and reiterating and repeating the information you already know. In the Mishnah, which is just a commentary on the Old Testament, one of the ra- this is a collection of sayings of the rabbis in the first century. Uh, one of the rabbis said, he who's, who has studied his lesson 100 times is not as effective as he who studied it 101. Now, that's a very different approach to learning because we would say, why would I want to learn something I've already digested? I want to learn something new. And we all are like that. But they knew the importance of implementation and reiteration. And so I would just say, just kind of piggybacking off of what Gus said, Pastor, if you want your sermon to have a lasting impact outside of the 35-minute time period on Sunday morning, Consider doing a sermon-based approach to your life groups, whether they be on or off campus, where you can now reiterate through a facilitation, not a lecture student where you have another lesson. And, And here's how I tell people, think of it this way. Don't think of your classes or your life groups in the setting of rows where people look front to back. Think of it in circles where people sit around a room looking face to face. And if you do nothing else, just think of that. And it's not a lecture student. It's more of a facilitation.
2: I would say just, you know, thinking about a theological framework, too, for marrying the two, you know, what's declared publicly and making sure that people process and understand it. I often think of Nehemiah chapter eight. You know, what a beautiful passage you have there where, you know, you know, they're rebuilding the city in the journey. They rediscover the scrolls and they gather all the people in Ezra reads for hours. I mean, I don't know that I'd recommend hour-long, you know, two-hour-long sermons on Sunday. I feel like I've been through some of those sermons. like that, because he likes the time. It's killing us, but, you know, it gets up. But but either way, you know, after reading the scriptures for hours, they send the Levite priests into the crowd to gather people in clusters, and it says there, you know, they gathered the people to translate, explain it again, to make sure that the people understood what was declared. And so in, in the community aspect, you want to take the message that was declared and make sure people understand how to live it out. And that's really what is trying to be conveyed in that passage. We want to make sure you comprehend in a manner that leads to obedience. Yeah, and so, saying, knowledge without application is useless information. That's right.
0: I feel like I've heard someone say that. Yeah. Perhaps Gus Hernandez has mentioned yeah. it. At the time. That <laughs> is ex- yeah. Well, let me ask I've you this. So before. we've talked about the importance of it. We've talked about how strong it can be when we connect it into the disciple-making pathway. But let's go ahead, just for those who may be entering into seminary, who maybe there's that pastor out there who never even went to seminary, whatever the the, the, the situation, what exactly are you guys talking about when you say expository preaching? Just as basic as you can, what does that mean um, specifically? So, you know, just to clarify, we, we know we feel like there's a strong connection to a disciple-making church, Um, to help our people make disciples, to help build our people as disciples. But what does that look like? I mean, tell me, what are you thinking and what are you doing and how are you preparing when it comes to expository uh, text-driven preaching?
1: Yeah, it's it's basically letting the text drive the sermon, both the structure of the sermon, the tone of your sermon— and the theme of your sermon right where whereas on the contrary you may preach a topical message let's say now and you, you can preach topically expositionally where you take a text and preach on a topic but a topical message in contrast would be you start with an idea yeah. And then you go to the text,
0: which to seems see, to be the trend these days. Well, like, yeah, okay, a lot then, of great ideas out there. Yeah,
1: right? now here's <laughs> the yeah here's the fallacy with that because the, a lot of younger pastors are falling into this trap. You, you feel like you have to preach in such a way to give the people what they want. Like let me let me come up with a sermon to to appease my people. The the challenge is how can your people, who are sinful human beings, and we all are sinful, know what's best for them? It's like my son Rig. He doesn't want to eat vegetables. He's not going to eat vegetables. if I let him. Listen, Ryder and Rig, they're going to eat cotton candy and junk. Can you you seriously? (laughs) I like cotton candy too, right? But they're going to eat junk. They're going to ebb to junk and and flow toward junk food all day long. But I, as the father, knows what's best for him. The, the Word of God may not be what the, the palate is ready for, as far as their, their, their sermon intake, but the text will do the work. Yeah. God has promised to bless nothing other than his text, right? The Word of God. Do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and the mind is renewed as we meditate yeah, on the Word of God. It,
0: it seems these days, you get on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, social media, Twitter, And I see more quotes of a pastor's uh, pithy comment, (laughs) insight, uh, saying, if you will, than I do the Word. And and it's almost like there's this contest to see who has the greatest and the latest statement, uh, insight, um, and and that often seems to trump the Word, like you're saying, but uh, continue on there.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, because the Word is the only thing that's going to change lives. So as the pastor, you don't, and it takes a lot of pressure off of us, us, right? God wrote a book, and we just communicate what God wrote. And, and we let God speak. Now, wh- the way expository preaching works is this. There are a lot of factors, and there are a lot of things, in a sense, that are barriers to the current world that weren't barriers to the ancient world. For example, a good expository teacher will understand the language somewhat. Now, you don't have to go to seminary to understand Greek and Hebrew, but you have software that'll help you. So you do word studies. We're with Alistair Begg uh, just last night. We're at a conference, preaching conference. And Alistair Begg said something which was interesting. He said, I like to take rocks, and I like to pick them up and turn them over and look what's underneath. And I thought that's a pretty good idea, because what you're doing is you're going through the text you're looking at words, you're looking at sayings, and you're just picking them up and looking, okay, that's something I need to elaborate on. You also have a cultural barrier. You also have the customs of the day. You also have a geographical barrier. So what you're doing as an expositor is you're removing all the barriers or challenges in our culture that weren't there in their culture so the people can hear from God. And what you're doing is you're taking a megaphone and you're putting it up to the Bible so that the Lord can speak so that you can say, thus says the Lord. That's right.
2: And one of the things, I mean, when I think of expository preaching, I think about spirit empowered proclamation of a biblical text that's connected to the redemptive work of Jesus, you know, and it's it's going to be applied to the hearts of the people for the glory of God. And you mentioned that this central theme, the way we develop that is through a good, healthy understanding of biblical exegesis, how we approach the scriptures and how we develop this main point of the text, and make sure it's the main point of our sermons. There's so many times I've listened to some preaching that claims to be expositional, text driven preaching. And you, you sit there and wonder, where did the pastor come up with these points? Because they're not reflected in the text that you're reading. And so I just think that the way that you preach and proclaim the word is going to be showing your people how they're supposed to spend time in the word and get something out of it.
1: And that's a great point, just piggyback on, is that we are teaching people as preachers how to read and understand the Bible themselves. Like, like the greatest compliment a person can give to any of us at this table is at the end of our message they come up and say that was clear and i know exactly how you got that i can even do that myself wow. that's a compliment what you don't want is people to come up and say man that was the best thing i've ever heard i have no clue how yeah. you got there <laughs> god i could never see that in the text yeah. but man that I'm was not, awesome
2: i'm not saying any pastors looked for that yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> You know, one of the things that, you know, you and I have had a lot of conversations about this. And when we think about Luke 24 and and on the road to Emmaus, you know, Jesus is meeting with those disciples and he's explaining the Old Testament and how it pointed to the Messiah. I think that good expositional text-driven preaching is going to make a connection to Jesus Christ. You're not trying to force it in there, but as long as you can zoom out wherever it is that you're preaching, you know, oftentimes you have to zoom in sometimes to understand the direct context of a passage that you're preaching, but there's times where you've got to zoom out and show your people how this text yeah. connects to the broader scope of the Scriptures and how it points to the Messiah and Jesus Christ. So I believe good expositional preaching has to be Christ-centered yeah. preaching. So, back
0: when you guys first started preaching, how many ever years ago that was? Uh, can you think of some messages you wish you could have back?
2: Oh man, <laughs> several. The first one, probably. You don't
0: have to describe them, but well, I'll tell can you one, think one, of I'll, those? I'll tell, oh, cla- I'll tell you a classic example.
1: I, I was uh, I was preaching a, a youth event. Uh... This is going to be a good story. I feel oh, like. Okay. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to share this story, but I'll share this story. Let's get real. I was preaching. You know? Okay, I was <laughs> preaching. I got asked to preach. I was a new seminary student. Didn't get many opportunities back then, but I got one uh, at a True Love Waits conference. Oh boy! Okay, you remember those? Huh? I, True I do. Love Waits, but I, okay? I'm, I'm
0: kind of nervous about it. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah.
1: This is a family show. So here we go. So I'm at a True Love Waits conference, and I decide to pick. I mean, all the passages on waiting. I decide to pick Joseph in Potiphar's house with Potiphar's wife and the points were something like uh true love waits true love runs true love <laughs> true love sleeps you know what I, mean? I can't remember what the points were okay so so true
0: love runs that's oh, not what whatever <laughs>
1: I can't remember how I did it. But, but anyway, I was taking Proclaiming the Bible at that time, first semest- seminary, uh, s- semester seminary student, with Dr. Shaddix. And uh, I had a great relationship with Dr. Shaddix. He invited me to go travel with him to Alabama to go preach an event that he was preaching at. And I was going to ride with him. And uh, I-, I decided to take the recording of that sermon. Now, you've got to understand, I'm-, I'm only a Christian for a year and a half. And I'm thinking, man, I'm do- man, this preaching is changing the, the world, man. That's I'm going to a- change the world with True this. love man. runs. Yeah, yeah, true, true love, true love, flees. You know, so I uh, have this this CD in my pocket just in case he asks. You know, just just in case he asks, how's your preaching? So on the ride there, nothing. On the ride back, he he leans over and he says, "Hey, h- how's your preaching ministry going? Any questions for me?" I said, "Actually, I got a sermon. I, I'm glad you asked. You know, here's a." He said, "Throw it in. Let's listen to it." So there I was in the night driving back on I ten to to uh, to the seminary mouthing the words of my own self in the dark true love runs true love waits you know preach with pa- back then I preached with passion real passion you know so uh, at the end of the sermon uh, I looked over and I said uh, so doc what'd you think any feedback he said man you were passionate. I said, oh, yeah, that was bad. He said, man, you preach with conviction. I said, oh, man, I preach with conviction. Feeling good at this point. He, oh, yeah, feeling great, two for two. He said, the only problem is you missed the complete point of the passage. That passage has nothing to do with waiting for marriage. That passage has to do with living with integrity and being a man of character. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, I'll take that CD back there. Can you eject <laughs> that? Th- I'm going to go ahead and break that in half right now, right? That's but, awesome. you know, it's, it's and, and that brings up a good point. That was the beginning, although I didn't conceptualize it or contextualize it to my preaching, but that was the beginning of what would become a feedback loop, which still to this day I have. And pastor, if you want to grow as a better preacher and proclaimer of the word of God, you need some kind of feedback loop with trusted men in your life where they can give you honest feedback on your preaching. Right? And, and, and I do it every week. We have a meeting every Monday where guys will come in, trusted guys. Gus is one of them. Tim LaFleur is one of them. They come in and they say, here's one thing to work on, one thing to, to keep. Good. Okay? This is something you need to work on better. This is something you did well. You might want to accentuate it. And let, let's be honest outside of seminary or outside of schooling, those who are listening, how are you growing as a preacher? Yeah. Because it's easy it's to get in avoid. a rut. You know, you get in a rut, or a bubble. Or a bubble. Yeah, and you think, man, you're the great, and you may be. Now, here's the challenge, though. It's called a blind spot. Every one of us have blind spots. Everybody has blind spots. And the reason they're called blind spots is because we can't see them. So you don't realize you have a major glaring challenge issue in your life that you can't see. But if you have a trusted brother to come in and say, man, I know you didn't mean this, but that sounded way too prideful, or you yeah. sounded arrogant, or the way you accentuated this point, you were talking about heaven, but your face looked like you
2: were talking about hell. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So anyway, that's, that that's, an extreme, yeah, that's an extreme But oh, Does that man. make sense? Yes. Yeah. Gus? Absolutely. Oh my goodness, man! I think back twenty years ago, I was invited as a teenager in the student ministry to preach in front of the entire congregation on oh, a weekend. God. I'm staring at 350 people, just looking at me. I'm shaking, and the one thing I can remember is I thought I had enough content for at least a solid 30 minutes. I lasted seven.
1: looks <laughs> <laughs> like the worship director gets back on stage. Like, no, I've been there before too, uh, oh, All really yeah. Let's sing
2: a few
0: more <laughs> hits. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Add a you, few more. You know songs. What? Yeah. I really want us to pray for about 15, 20. No, minutes. Oh, now man, Tim LaFleur said
1: yeah. one of his guys. Did this and he finished. I think
2: Tim told to preach it again.
1: He preached it again. <laughs> so we didn't get it the first time? Let's oh, do it more. Go one ahead and time. preach that yeah. again. We're going to get but, it You again.
2: know, as I think more, like once I started, you know, pursuing a call to ministry and preaching more, the, the one thing I lament as I look back at old sermons is how many Christless sermons I preach from the Old Testament. Wow. Like, it wasn't until the last wow. few years that I really started to think, man, have I really connected to the redemptive work of Christ? Like, how is this passage in the Old Testament? resolved in Jesus and, and I would faithfully exegete a passage in its context historically but I failed to zoom out and help my people who live in the age of grace connect the dots to Jesus as the Messiah the, the one who fulfills these uh, requirements in the Old Testament and so that's the one thing that as I look back at my sermons man I, I, I preached a lot of Christless sermons from the wow. Old Testament in my past.
1: Well here's and here's what you do if you only pre- and let's be honest, we all love the new we 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 kind of flow and, and and we kind of uh move uh toward the new. we love the New Testament, but pastor, if you're preaching only the new without showing the connection to the old, you're teaching people that they only need to read the new and they need to disregard the Old testament it's you know that's done away with we don't need that, but I believe until you really appreciate the old or until you understand the old, you can never appreciate the new. You can never, because you got to remember, the Old Testament was the only, it wasn't the Old Testament for Jesus, it was the only Bible. That's right. That was the Bible, (laughs) right? I mean, and Jesus, you know, when the scribes and Pharisees said he taught as one who had authority, not like the scribes and Pharisees. What they're saying is literally, and I've been tracking this for a while, literally almost everything Jesus said. Can be traced back to the Old Testament, either a phrase or a concept. So, literally, as the word becoming flesh, that's not just a descriptor of who he was, it's a descriptor of how he taught. Literally, he everything he said was just the word of God.
2: That's one of the things I love and appreciate about you. I mean, 10 years ago when you became my pastor and, and I started to hear the way that you had this zeal and passion for connecting the dots and showing an appreciation for the Old Testament, uh, that challenged me and shaped me so much in my preaching. And so that's, that's one thing I really appreciate about you is how you help us connect the dots between the Old Testament and New Testament.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.